you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Okay, hey, okay, geez, we got a list, but I'm going to ask you a question to get us started today. Uh, And this is... A little outside the geeky realm, but I know our viewpoints on these differ, so I think it's a a cool conversation. So, and I'll I'll tell you why I'm asking this after I ask it, because I don't want to bias it. (laughs) So, give me your thoughts and feelings on receiving signs from the universe or a greater power or, you know, what, what you think of those types of things. And I know that really sounds witchy-woo, I know. Right. So uh, it's absolutely that uh, we make of those things what we want. There's right. no higher power. There's no outside <laughs> forces that are acting on us. The world is all what it is. It's chemicals and physics. And um, we find patterns where we want to. And sometimes we listen to those things because we want to do whatever we think we're seeing in the signs. I am very much a naturalist instead of a supernaturalist. Right. I guess. I get how people want to think that there's benevolent or malevolent forces and that somehow the universe is talking to them to tell them what to do with their life, whether that's um, astrology, whether that's visitation, whether, you know what I mean? There's all kinds of ways in which we've decided to interpret those kinds of things. But when you look at it from science, when you look at it from repeatability, when you look at it from predictability, All it is is because we want to find patterns. Human beings are pattern-finding animals. That's even the name of a prog rock band because it's so deep in our survival to be able to say what's going on, what might happen next, how do I prepare myself to be able to handle that next situation, whether I'm predator or prey. You, it's it's all about we we have a, a, a an incredible capacity for finding faces in things because nothing lights our brain up more than interacting with another human being. There's so much information being projected and received from every little bit of emotion, every little bit of body language and facial language, and so that's why you have the the area on the moon that everybody thinks is some kind of alien structure because it looks like a face. No, we see faces in cornflakes. We see faces in snow. We see faces in everything that might look at all like a face. And in fact, if you start playing around with facial recognition software on any number of photo handling apps, you'll find out how many times it interprets as a face any of those silly things. I went for a walk in the wood and look, there's a troll face in the trees. Of course, it's not a troll. Of course, it's because things that look like two eyes, a nose, and a mouth at the right proportions. So, So... there, I went off on you a bit. No, no, no. I, I, that's what I was wanting because <laughs> to keep along, I knew that was going to be your answer. And to keep it geeky, though, right. um, do you think because of the, our brains, our wiredness in each of our brains, that sometimes we, we are looking for something and our brain knows that. So it 
gets us pointed to the right direction subconsciously or controls our actions and we don't even realize it. And, you know, what, what part of that in a, in a very big way, that's almost supernatural in itself that our <laughs> brain could control us in ways we don't even understand or realize that the best way to explain it to ourselves is almost a supernatural power. See, but it's not the best way. It's just a way. And we want to think okay. somehow that there's forces acting on us instead of our own brain is doing that for us. There's lots of proof about unconscious and subconscious and how our brain has multiple stages, multiple actors that are talking within us. And that's a very, that's a grotesque way to put it. That's a, uh, a model for the brain that has been a lot discounted. We really don't have multiple versions of us that are telling us what to do. It's some people the might. Version, it's, it's the, yeah. Well, and that, that's true. Sometimes when they do have like voices in their head and they aren't aware that they can control that or that they really can't control it because they're so strong. It's because of chemical misfirings and miswirings and things that are not like, if you will, a normal brain, like 99% of the planet. So it isn't like they used to say back when we didn't know any better. Oh, they're touched by the gods. Oh, they're possessed by a devil. Oh, they've got <laughs> special insights and abilities. No, it's just that they're not normal and not abnormal where it has auto automatically negative connotation, but like, and not in the same way that people see signs in virtually everything that's going on, sometimes no matter how much the world is, if you will, sending them a message, caution, you know, you'll see people, God, give me a sign, I want to know what to do. And then through everyone else, there would be obvious things of stop driving your car so fast, stop drinking as much, right, stop right, doing right. self-destructive behavior, but they'll keep saying, God, I need a sign, I need a burning bush to talk to me. And they actually discount things that other people would take as actions right around them, information coming in that they might want to take a step back and say, what can I learn from this environment? You know, if I keep playing with matches, I might set the house on fire. And yet, if they think that God is going to protect them from doing dangerous behavior, no matter how much evidence stacks up, they won't stop doing what they want to do because they're not getting acted on by an outside force. Right. It and and with that, <laughs> and one of my, one of the ones that drive me crazy is when you get somebody that will say, oh, well, it's part of God's plan or something. But on the flip side, you get other people that say, well, that must be the devil came in and, it, you know, you, it, but the same situation. So that's right. So the fact that it can be interpreted either way, and yet people will attribute either malevolence or benevolence to various different things, tells me more about them than it does about whatever forces they think are out there. Yes, I agree. And I, it I knew, really does. You know, I, I just, it, it kind of scares me that people have that persecution <laughs> complex or that touched by God complex, because those things enable like unnatural behavior. They enable people to do whatever they wanted to do anyway, but now they've got the aegis of a God. They're shielded by, hey, yes. this is what God told me to do. And, and not only told me, I must do it because it's, it's God's will. And, and wow, that, that has created as many tragedies as circumstance, so, as bad luck. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, you know, obviously neither of us really believe that there's some higher power, though I, I could attribute that there's still something in the quantum realm that maybe we don't know about that has some effect here, but we have no idea. So I can't really say to that, but let me ask this. So, and we've all had it though. You know, you've had that where you're like, man, you know, should I go do this today? And you go downstairs and the first commercial you see on TV is exactly what you were just thinking about. Okay. You know, <laughs> so stuff like that, those coincidences happen all the time. So right. for you, when something like that happens, 
do you take it as, well, maybe I really should do that. Maybe my brain, if nothing else is telling me, yeah, I sh- that's what I want to do today. How do you interpret? Um, sometimes that? I do. And I think how I interpret it, however, is that I'm kind of writing the story of my life. And if I want to take it that a good story would be, hey, I was thinking about doing this. And then there was, if you will, a sign, a coincidence. It's like, okay, that's good enough. I was 50-50, 51-49. That's enough to tip me into why not do this? Because when I tell the story of what happened, I can say, yep, I was thinking of uh, what I was going to have for breakfast. And then I saw an ad for pancakes. And it was like, sure, pancakes, that sounds good. But I never think <laughs> that God the world, told you. <laughs> the universe, a force, cares about me enough would actually interpret you know that i would interpret those things but it's there that's another part of it is some people are that needy or that arrogant that they really think that this enormously colossally sized universe would actually arrange any of its atoms to try to send you a message you know what i mean when when people talk about hey god's talking to me it's like i got a feeling that the complexity and the size of the universe has more than enough for god to worry about than your football game or your disease or your happiness you know what i mean it it just seems delusional (laughs) going with what you said though and, and this is totally me on the spot speculative i understand it's like okay now i start to sound even crazier than normal right but we know in just the little bit of quantum physics mechanics and all that jazz that I've read about and love reading more about that. We know that you can split an atom. And if you heat up this atom, this atom will the spooky science at a distance or something in that spooky what, action at a distance. At a distance. Yeah. That's what Einstein called it. Right. Exactly. Right. Because there is quantum entanglement and there really yes. are things that interact in ways that we don't understand what, communication or force could have them affecting each other, even in ways that we can't in- interpret with our current instruments, how that could be happening. Exactly. Yeah. So okay. I, I could, I could see an argument of, uh, well, I, I've been debating this, wondering about this. And then I, I saw the pancake commercial, but right. who's to say that there's some level of your brain influencing that like an atom in some way that maybe you've watched TV a hundred times at that time in the morning and know you get pancake commercials 80% of the time on channel three and your brain flipped. Does channel three exist anyway, but your brain flipped to that. You know what I'm saying? That, or or maybe there's something somewhere that actually had an influence on the producer that hit that commercial to go on next. And it was kind of a signal you want. I'm not saying that does Israel and exists, but you know, it kind of flows along those same lines. Right. So what I think about that is that those things are probably happening. We there are indeed forces that we don't fully understand and down to that subatomic or at that cosmological level, but it's in our understanding that we have to catch ourselves and say, um, whatever we can't understand, we don't need to attribute human qualities to it that there is someone that's wanting us to do something that there is a we interpret that random action and even if it's linked you know and i'm saying this poorly there's all kinds of things that when we lack information um superstition rushes in to fill the void we want to think that there's a reason for everything we don't want to think that the universe is a big random kind of uncaring cold place and yet all signs are that it is there's never been any proof, if you will, right, of right, yeah. there really is a, a, a celestial intelligence or 
anything like that. And the more that we try to, um, in, the more that we interpret things like that, the more that we say, I'm kind of saying that I'm never going to understand this. So I'm going to give it, and, and then again, it's for human qualities. And sometimes I guess it's good human or bad human, or it might actually be, um, well, that, this is, if you will, the heart of science. To me, what I would say when I'm getting those kind of interesting signals is, huh, um, I don't know that I fully understand what's going on here. I see that it's happening. Well, I, I say that pretty much all day long. Yeah, right. And that's, <laughs> it's true for all the things. My God, there's so many things that I don't understand. Why did I just say my God? Because that's my way of interpreting something beyond my understanding. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It, I don't give it. Um, God wants me to be confused. God <laughs> wants me to have limitations. It's more, that's just the way it is. And I, I don't take comfort or discomfort from thinking that there is somebody that's caring about me in that way. I take much more comfort in, I'm the agent of my own fate. I am going to create my best world around me for me and my loved ones. Who knows what love is? You know what I mean? Is it just a series of social transactions that you found out that you're better in a pair or in a group than you are by yourself? Because that's very much a social animal thing. Or is it all pheromones? <laughs> or is it all pheromones? And, you know, Boy, this, I, I have for, honestly, since I was 15 and aware of, wow, I'm getting um, attraction or unattraction to various different people. When I walk into a room, I scan the room and I'm like, these are the three people that I'd like to talk to. And that is if I'm dating, if I'm looking for three ladies. There's nothing magic about that. It's more whatever it is about the pheromones that I'm sensing, the body types that I'm thinking, how, how we just seem to match or not. And and I'm always happy to be surprised. There's any number of times that a person that I somehow would have not paid enough attention to, but then when I hear them talk, when I hear them laugh, when I hear signs of their intelligence, when I hear signs of their compassion, those things are very attractive to me. And suddenly they're on my radar. But whatever I like about hourglass figures, that's, and I think that's just so much nature, right? We're looking for um, who could I have strong children with? They would bear me good children. I'd be able to be worthy of them to have good children. You know, they would find me attractive. But all that is just so much nature. And then you, we move on from that. And some people, they can't get past that, that they're only about the attraction or the unattraction. And, and I don't really think it's a terrible thing. There's nothing wrong with being natural until what you think is natural is I can impose my will on somebody else. Consent doesn't matter. You know, the minute that we are aware that we are thinking human beings, that we do have to take responsibility for our actions, right. that you can't act as if you're only a beast. You have to step above nature and say, I'm a thinking human being, and therefore I need to think, not only feel, not only react like a stimulus response machine, like a bare animal. You know, so right, right. I know that we're, we're kind of straying, but having said that, the reason that I think that um, I can't easily attribute supernatural things in a way that would make me feel helpless is somewhere deep in my gut, I really want to think that I'm the master of the fate and the captain of my soul. I don't want to be helpless. I don't want to be storm tossed. I don't want to just make the best of every situation that I find myself in. I want to think that I have agency because somehow it really matters to me that I think that in my the universe is vast and I'm a tiny speck. And yet this speck gets to choose what it reaches out and touches other specks and interacts with its environment. Right. And there are people that they don't have that as much as I do. They really don't have to be um, independent and self 
sufficient and confident in their ability to interact with their environment. Some people are, I'm going to respond in whatever way I do to the environment around me. And I take solace in, I made the best with what I could where I was, and I just kept going. I didn't actively plan for the future. And that's a, that's a lot of interpretation about the difference between those two types. Right. But you start to get to personality testing, types of that. We've talked a little bit about this, about Myers-Briggs or Ocean or various different classification systems. And some part of that is whether you really are, um, whether you think you're, uh, uh, at the core of what I'm saying, like, you know, boy, boy, it's, sorry, there's something deeply important about whether you are the determinist or whether you're a freedomist. You know what I mean? Do you really think that you have free will or whether you really think the world just runs like clockwork and you're a cog in it? And I, my guess is, of course, I didn't make a choice in doing that. My brain chemistry, somehow I came out the chute being one instead of the other. You know what I mean? It's like, and of course the determinists will say, well, you have to think that way. You have to think that you have freedom of will, but you don't. And I just, at, at that ontological question, I just have to think, I want to be that way, and so I'll act that way until I find out that I can't. And so far, I've made choices in my life that had a lot of influence over my future, and because I got good feedback, the feedback loop gets reinforced, and that's very much about human nature, too. We always experiment, and you right. get good result or bad result, and gosh, what do you do? More of the good and less of the bad. So whatever I did when I was young, that was, I'm going to try something, and then I got rewarded, and the things that I tried that weren't good, I don't know, I, I can't roller skate. You know what I mean? Who knows? My sense of balance and my quickness of reaction is not such that for my body type, I'm good at that. But I don't need to keep trying that again and again. I'm pretty sure I could learn to roller skate if I want to. But then I have all the things, well, what am I doing with my time? And I'd rather become a better musician than a better roller skater. And boy, it's kind of funny. All these thoughts are sparking in my head, but they're all kind of evidence for it isn't a small question that leads to all these various different things. Oh, Where's my absolutely. time spent? Where am I going to focus my attention? Because focus of attention is pretty much how you determine your fate. What you pay attention to is what you end up being. You know what I mean? Right. So if I want to be a good talker like this, that even while I'm kind of running off at the mouth, I'm not babbling. I'm saying some pretty important thought out things for my right, 60 right, years. Right. And they all kind of <laughs> link instead of just being sparks across the sky. So at least to some of us, it is. I'm sure. <laughs> I guess. So, so obviously, there's an agenda you have had. Things yeah, yeah, that have yeah. Been happening so, in your life that are giving you good signs because yes. you're thinking of doing things, and then bam, along comes a great opportunity that's right in line with that. And you say, "How can I turn away?" Well, right. Is that a reasonable it, interpretation of absolutely. You yeah, you you know, you know me well enough. <laughs> but <laughs> I was going to say, you mentioned, uh, you know, oh my God, you blah blah blah. Around here, we say, oh my Chuck. We just, mm -hmm. you know, use, use his full his real name. <laughs> there we go. Is that for supernatural? Is that yeah? For, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, and this is again, I think there's a lot of things that we can't explain or don't even try to explain right now with science that eventually can be explained with science. Well, and probably instead of the singularity, what will happen is we'll probably come to realize so many things with science and then we'll wipe ourselves out. So it won't matter what we've discovered. Um, it, it, that sounds fatalistic, but it's hard to argue against that based on our trajectory. Um, so I told you a couple of weeks ago, my origin story for writing and, 
how the, the three things that like all happened at the same time, again, it's a pattern. It's threes. I noticed it. Uh, but I've come to, when those things happen uh, in my life, I'm like, oh, okay, I see what's going on. And I, I go with what I see uh, because, and, and that could just be, I'm subconsciously making the best decision. So my brain is finding the pattern. So it sends the signal to me like, Hey, you know, make that decision already. Uh, I think a certain amount of it is that, that you want to make a decision. And so you're looking more for what will tip the scales, what will lead me in the right direction. Yeah. And we see what we want to see and hear what we want to hear. We are very self-fulfilling in our senses. And so it's uh, the fact that you're seeing those things is kind of like I'm, I'm setting up the agreement of what I really want to do. Right. Sure, why not? Because, <laughs> because these things are making sense. I like the fact that that looks like a sign. I like the fact that it makes me feel good when I see it. It broke the tie. It made the decision. Yep. It helped me make the decision. Yes. So. And, and whether it's actually supernatural, whether it's my own brain chemistry, whichever it is, and either way, honestly, it is a little bit spooky supernatural to me, regardless of which way you think it, it is. I mean, that is a very interesting thing to see it. But the point is, throughout my life, I've come to recognize these signs and, and go with it. I, I don't fight it because I've found yeah. if I fight it, it's usually worse. If I go with it, things are better. No matter how it's that um, you got two roads. Oh, this road looks nice and easy, but this road looks like it's going through a spooky forest, <laughs> but you go through the spooky forest and find out it's really not that spooky. And there's a bigger reward at the end. Quite often, that's where I seem to have these. So when I told you about writing and the things that happened, mm -hmm. one of the influences was I discovered Castle with Nathan Fillion and he was a writer and I had loved Fillion, but never watched it. And it's like, bam, I came home from Bill and Bria's house and sat down, turned on Castle. And I'm like, oh, I thought it was a cop show. It's about a writer. That's a cop show. So maybe my brain remembered the trailers and I kind of knew that. And being with Bill, it put me in a writer mood. So I chose to watch Castle. It made me want to. I can totally agree and see that. The fact is that it, I did do it and it happened. And that pushed me into the writing, which is starting to go a lot better this year. I see lots of things this year happening. Okay. So I'm at I would, I would throw this out. So let's say that what you saw was Bill is a writer working in a garret impoverished instead of Bill has a wonderful farm in Pennsylvania and is making a good living at it. And what if Castle wasn't getting the beautiful lady cop and getting involved in interesting cases to satisfy his curiosity? But what if the first time he went out on a case, he got shot? Because as a writer, you shouldn't be out running with right. And so you might have said, wow, that, that writer life, that's not for me. I don't want to die. I don't want to be foolish to think that because I'm now a writer, that I can do whatever I want. No, there's there's still ramifications to my choosing that life. Right. So you've got wonderful positive reinforcement of it's the writer's life for me. I can be a pirate. You know what I mean? It, it, right. Even that has all the connotation that went with the writers that you had just interacted with. Absolutely. I, I totally <laughs> see that. Um, so without interpreting, though, like I said, this has happened to me multiple times. And every time I've made the choice to accept the signs and go with it, it's been a good yeah. thing in my life. I, I, and I know this. So I don't even question it anymore when it happens. How, whatever the reason, okay, now's the time to fall. So what I'm getting to is I've been struggling with work. Uh, it's not been a good environment for me lately. And I've started thinking of doing something different, moving on. What do I want to do? And I know 
doing the writing is a big part of what I want to do. And I think working so much has held that back. Uh, and because there's only where, so many hours in a day and you have yes. to choose where your time and your focus go. Which you just said. Yeah. Exactly. And I, okay. and I know I'm not going to be necessarily a huge writer like Bill, where I release a book and 200,000 people buy it and I make a full-time living. I'm not, I'm not sure that's where I'm going I to be. I bet you you will. I bet I, you you're a good enough writer that I, when you, I bet you you will. See, we'll I, I believe see. in you. I, I believe in you. I think more of it depends on devoting the time to get, enough books out that would make me successful rather than worrying about a couple books being bestsellers. Uh, right. And that's a great way to do it. Be not the home run hitter and striking out a lot of the times, but putting together a body of work, putting together right. a series of singles that still score runs. You yes. know what I mean? Stan Musial is just as famous as Babe Ruth, you know, well, maybe not this famous, but you know what I'm trying to say? There's yes. multiple paths to success. Okay. So because work's been going poorly for me, I'm not enjoying it. And Again, I used to have a hat that said, if it's not fun, forget it. And I've lost that philosophy in my life because whenever I'm doing something I enjoy, I'm much more successful, you know, in every part of my life. And I, that's been a philosophy I, I struggle with throughout my life. So I've been saying, okay, maybe I need to stop this that I've been doing with the work. Maybe I need to find something else that's paying me for part-time work, 15 to 25 hours. And then the rest of my time, I'd have to kick myself in the butt and really push the writing if I want to make that, make that a full-time thing instead of the writing yes. the part-time when I'm already tired at night or first thing in the morning or whatever, <laughs> right? Getting it in currently, right? To okay. to make up for the income, to make the yeah. rest of that income for me, but it's a scary prospect. You know, probably not as scary if I was 25 or 30, uh, but you hit 50 and it starts becoming more of a scary prospect whether you want it to or not. I so, hear you. you have responsibilities. You yes. have less time to make up for mistakes. You have all yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's been in the back of my mind for a couple of weeks and I haven't decided which way to jump, what I want to do. Uh, because once I really get behind either one, I know I'm going to really focus on it and be successful at it. So we've talked about the newer show with Nathan Fillion, the rookie uh, a bit. And I was watching it and Alan Tudyk was on it. Um, and uh, it was a fun episode. They had a good interaction. There have been multiple Castle alumni on the show. As you mentioned, Kevin was just on and stuff yeah. like that, right? So, okay. okay. So I'm watching this. And again, all of this stuff has been happening. And it's still in the back of my mind. This episode was just the next episode. I mean, it didn't choose an episode. It was just in the order. I've never seen any of these. Okay. And this episode at the very end, Fillion is talking to his other cops it's his birthday. And he's like, I want to thank all of you because I would have never thought a year ago, I would be where I'm at now that I would take the leap and change my career and do something different and how much I enjoy it and how good it's been for me. And I looked at the damn screen and I went, damn it. <laughs> well, there's my yeah, answer. Now you. I know. And it's Nathan Fillion. That's the thing. Right. It's Nathan This Fillion. guy talking to me again. Again, I owe the man a beer. <laughs> So, so fantastic. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, I would guess that some part of the big success of that show is everyone, you and me, that's going through some of this. Have I, did I start off when I was 18 or 21 or 25 and I picked a career and that was it for life? No, life can have second and third acts. It can have, I've already done what I wanted to do. I'm accomplished. Am I just now going through the motions? Is the world changing so I don't enjoy what I was doing anymore? 
yes, you get to try again. You, that's yes. right. You get to succeed again. You get to be a, a polymath that has multiple areas that they're really expert in and, and respected in and that just give you the new juice. There's a whole bunch of, you know, just something new has automatic. The brain is firing. Because yeah, definitely. Instead of being in ruts, instead of being in known patterns, we pay, we pay much more attention and we're much more satisfied with something new, the path yeah. less taken. So, so I'd listen to Nathan. I'd listen yeah. to you. <laughs> well, now you're changing your tune. <laughs> well, because it's all those things. What yeah. That show exists so that everybody says, I, I could do that. Right. I could stop right. being a doctor and become an author. I could stop being an author and become a coder. I could stop being a, a garbage man and become a dancer. You know what I mean? There's Oh, I'd love to see me have... and you be dancers. We should do that. Do a <laughs> I think that's, you know, a peacemaker dance for us. (laughs) There is a a term that's, that's, uh, if you go in the dictionary, it's like listed as one of those, you know, obsolete, obscure, balter. Balter is to dance without a lot of skill, but a lot of enthusiasm. Oh, I love it. We should make that a t-shirt. I love it. (laughs) So I can go a balter again. People are like, he must have seen that definition because (laughs) he sure is clearing their face around him with all of his. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever watch the show New Girl with Zoe uh, Deschanel? I I never have, but people have recommended to me because it's wittily written from what I understand. Yes. What drew me to it was and i was like okay connie whatever but uh gina had me watch it uh because she loved it back in the day and what drew me to it was the character that zoe deschanel has in that show is so offbeat and quirky and she really faces the world with a, a this is how i am and i don't care a whole lot what people think she gets her feelings hurt but she doesn't see herself as odd uh it's just how she is and it's it's very enheartening to watch because it makes you feel like, yeah, why do I have to suppress and change who I am for other people? You know, you can be weird. Like they were doing the chicken dance to at a wedding, but to like a, a, a rock and roll song. And instead of doing it, they were just going really slow and very like <laughs> this. And it was just so weird and funny, but they were all doing it. And it's like, why, why not? What, what does it matter? You know? So that's why I like the show wonderful uh, so i really i should watch it more because this is you know uh hmm i was odd early Stephen. you know what i mean i was i was <laughs> there's another smart. t-shirt al you just <laughs> throw them out there i was odd early i thought before it became fashionable or whatever you know when you're really smart like and and we we always we talk about this a lot but boy was i really smart i was young and aware of how smart I was in comparison to my peers and aware of that that was going to have me have troubles. You know, every time that I was too smart and people kind of like wanted to beat me up in the uh, schoolyard, (laughs) every time that I scared a teacher, I I wish these stories weren't true because I got something quicker than they did. Every time that I knew too many words or had read already stuff that was years beyond where I was supposed to be, all those things. And instead of it being, well, I'll hide more, I'll be uh, quieter about it. I just something again, maybe my, my odd innate confidence just said, you know, this is just me. There's nothing wrong with me. I, I don't want to hide myself. I don't want to be scared of this incredible gift that I've been given. 
And then you start hearing like, I don't know, how long ago was the Argent song? You know, hold your head up. Yeah. Let them burn their eyes on your movement. I, you know what I mean? On your yeah, yeah. it's. I just got that weird thing of, I, I can't, I know that it's neurotic. Early on, I knew to hide yourself, to not be happy with yourself, to try to be someone that you're not. And so I just kind of had to say, I'm going to pay this penalty a lot. I'm going to have people that care about appearance instead of brains not think much of me because I was a chubby little kid while being an incredible smarty. And I'm going to have people be afraid of me because they don't get that my mind works that fast. And it wasn't just a guess that I really know it and all that stuff. And yet uh, my, my parents were wonderfully like, you know, uh, not, if you will, they were, they were celebratory about it. You know, if you get good grades, you get a quarter per A. If you read books, you know, we'll get you more books. It wasn't like go outside and do something besides reading. I did those things. I had incredible energy when I was young too. So it wasn't that I was only that I was actually quite a rounded kid. And yet I had, I found a good friend early Stu that was a, a big reader like I was and that like got off on, let's not play horse, let's play hippopotamus. You know what I mean? That it was just, and, and the kinds of things that we did of biking to the library or going exploring in the field and thinking of how can we dam this creek with available materials? You know what I mean? Not in a destructive <laughs> way, but just like you learn about, it doesn't matter. I got enough reinforcement from enough important people in my life that I never felt the need to stop being me. And, and occasionally I have paid the price, I guess, where people uh, didn't want to associate with me. I know this is a whole bunch of stuff again to talk about. It isn't only young, it's as you go through, like if you're smarter than your boss, boy, they really don't like that often. You really have to learn to be very judicious in not showing off, but just even showing up as smart. You don't want them to feel threatened. You don't want your coworkers to um, have jealousy or actual uh, sabotage because they feel so like left behind. I, I haven't always been great about that. I got, I had done some really cool things in my career. And sometimes I was just so happy that it had worked, that I've been able to figure out this problem that all I wanted to do was kind of celebrate and talk about. And other people were like, boy, that's, uh, that's arrogance or that's uh, self centeredness too full of yourself. And it was like, well, but I, I have an idea of what level this is. This really isn't like, Hey, I, I solved today's crossword puzzle. I did some of the, something nobody has done before. Isn't this cool? And you know what? Not everybody thinks that's cool. Actually. Right. They really don't. I, I've always, oh. always <laughs> people, you know, you get the guy that's big and strong and people are like, Ooh, and they respect him, admire him. And if he does something using his strength, well, that's great. And they think that's wonderful. But if you're smarter and you point out, well, what you're saying isn't correct. Well, now you're an asshole. <laughs> And I'm like, well, I can't help it any more than he can help being super strong. Well, he probably did help that, but you know, but that's, that's been an issue I've encountered many times. And how many times do you sit in a room with people talking about something and you keep quiet because you know, it'll just turn into an argument and you don't want to ruin an evening or something. It it, it could be something like that. You know, what's interesting. I, I have a variation on what you just said that I think when when people see someone that's big and strong they at least can see themselves doing it you know when you see an olympic athlete that can actually run a little bit faster you can say well i could do that in 12 seconds and he can do it in nine but it's not out of the bounds of my being able to little say, training train and, and all the kind of stuff whereas 
unfortunately, when you do brain things, and they really think no matter how hard I trained, I'm not sure that I could do a cubic root or something like that, then it's witchcraft. Then it's something inexplicable. Because they don't understand it. Science is magic. They can't even envision themselves being able to do that. And so, you know, when I played Trivial Pursuit and know a lot, and sometimes people are like, wow, you got a lot of shit in your head. You know what I mean? They can't even say stuff. They have to say that there's a negative connotation to it. Yes. As as if like, wow, with knowing all that, it's kind of crowding other things out. Nope. I kind of have an infinite supply. I know that's a weird way to put it, but... I, I might have uh, had, I, I laugh about how, hey, I remember all those Saturday morning cartoon show theme songs. And that's why I can't remember the constitutions of the, uh, the, the amendments to the constitution, because they kind of pushed it out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how and why I remember various different things, but I know that, and I'm not eidetic. I really am not where I remember every single thing. There really are amazing memories beyond mine where they can remember every thing they did on every date. Sometimes it's very personal. Sometimes it's no matter what they've ever read, they really remember everything. And that's kind of cool. And that doesn't, it doesn't give them a disability because it isn't like they're only able to think in those terms. They pretty much act like wonderful, normal human beings. And yet they really still have that ability and they just break it out once in a while. A friend friend Jack in Mensa is like that, where he really has one of those amazing memory people or, and sometimes it's a a savant skill where they can tell you no matter what the date is, what day of the week that was, they do that quick calculation in their head or they do Rubik's cube real quick or whatever else it might be. And so again, I I know I've gone off a little bit, but some part of what I, I've actually written about this, you know, that it gets interpreted as spooky because they can't envision themselves being able to do those things, even if they really tried and trained and worked hard at it, that it's something that they have to interpret it as gifted and beyond them. And then there's a separation instead of a, we are in this together. I can root for you because you're a big, strong wrestler and, and you're representing the United States. And so, yay, good for you. I, Instead, it's no, you're, you're really different than me. And sometimes that's the tribalism or whatever else it might be about identification versus separation that kicks in. And now right. I'm not like them. And uh, a little bit of what you said, sometimes you learn to not say anything because if you, I never do it to show off. I just do it because it's, yes. Me. You know what I mean? It's just me. But having said that, there have been times where someone is so actively hostile to intelligence or to me, that then I don't know that I show off, but I sure bring it out even more. You know what I mean? It isn't just that I'm different. Boy, I'm so much fucking more than you. (laughs) Your limitations are describing your worldview. And it's a sad, small world. My world is huge. Right. And And, and and I feel about that because it's not only the asshole, it's also the people that are around. And I don't want to prove to them that I am an asshole too. But once in a while, people will say, wow, in his arrogance, in his smallness, and yet arrogance, you know, that combination of ignorance and arrogance is really a problem for the world nowadays. People that really don't know what's fucking going on, but they're going to enforce their opinion on somebody oh, right. else. It, it, certainty. Oh my God, it's killing the world. It's it, killing it, our country. That's, that's <laughs> the uh, not knowing what you don't know. Uh, I don't know if there's an actual term for that, but I, you know, people don't know something, but they don't know that they don't know it. And so they think 
all that they know is what's exactly there. And right. Bria they don't played, have the humility to say, be quiet and learn. Instead, yes. they have the arrogance you, to say, I'm going to go forward and do the, it. The Dunning-Kruger thing. You got to have enough intelligence to know what you don't know to be able to say you want to learn it. And Bria appointed me, I think I mentioned this before, to a uh, study once or a paper or whatever, psych- psychological study that they, that's what this paper was saying. You know, it could be whatever, this small sample size, but that if people's intelligence differs by more than 20 IQ points, they have a harder time communicating. And the wider that gap, the harder it is. Well, okay, that makes sense. Uh, so, I think about it. I'm like, okay, average intelligence is 80 to 120. So at 85, which is still average normal intelligence, that's a long way from where they rated me when I took the test. It's like, no wonder I can't communicate. And it seems to be those types of people get big behind people like Trump or get big into a religion. And that makes it worse. It makes all of that look worse from the viewpoint over here. You know, and I think that's well, that those couple things are the poor. Do what? Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. You know, that there's it isn't only that they find that, it's that there are people, the charlatans, that are really good at finding the low information voters, the people yes. that really they already have shown that they're willing to believe instead of think. And so there's a certain amount of religion or or political uh fanaticism or or tribalism, you know, the things that you interpret to, I'm willing to let myself be subsumed as an individual into a collective. But then funny, there's always someone willing to step up and lead the collective. And at first, it might be that they espouse a lot of what the collective supposedly does. But how much how often do you see that they turn it towards their own ends, they make sure that they're getting more than their fair share of resources, they make sure that now it's not only about let's worship God, Let's worship God and hate these people over here too. Right. Even though the right. Bible says, love thy neighbor, even though, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. The charismatic we, charlatan always seems to find a way to like find the crowd that will follow them because they make ridiculous promises that those other people really want to hear. All, really all the, them. all the countries of the world controlled by a dictatorship, they always find the other people to make everyone hate. That That's, you know, and, and our the there's cult. like a fascism list of how to take over, and yes. it's like that. You know what I mean? Control the press and find a common enemy, and if that you run out of that one, hey, you already committed genocide. Well, now we're moving on to the next genocidal subjects. My God, how how can people really say sure? It's all about hate. It's all about. Yeah. I don't know how that is, but I know that there is a type that does, and we as the I don't know more compassionate, more thoughtful people kind of have our duty to say, wow, don't let that message win. Don't let that meme win. Don't let that meme maker win. You know, what are we seeing with Putin? Yeah. You know, he's, he's ran the dictator playbook very successfully, and he's turned an entire country's resources towards whatever he wants to be. I want I'll, I'll leave it to the people that know so much more about that part of the country to talk about the strategic value of the Ukraine as a breadbasket or as a port on a, you know, the, the, um, the sea besides right now, Russia only has cold water ports. This way they get to have a warm water port and not Belarus, which is not connected. You know what I mean? There's, right. there's all kinds of geopolitical things about that, but in some ways he's just a bully and he wants to win. And he, he does everything in his arrogance of power. And he attracts people that are attracted to that, his army and his secret service and whoever the oligarchs, they also love that 
pattern of how to behave. Mm-hmm. And the world is going to have to do what to him, what it did to Hitler and various other people is he's a war criminal. He has, he has done truly evil criminal things. And the fact that he currently has an army behind him is the only thing that's stopping us from taking him to court right now. When his army loses and when the world, when his, when his country has to wake up to, wow, the sanctions the rest of the world is imposing because the will of this man, not our 200 million people, I hope I have that number right, there, there, maybe there will be a revolution, maybe there will be such staggering losses that the people with themselves will revolt and take him to task for his crimes. Maybe it'll have to be that the world marches into Moscow and puts him in chains because he will not stop. There's and no, I think this Biden, is taking a very odd turn, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think personality type, you have to stop it. You can't let the mad dog run loose. You just can't. <laughs> exactly. And I think Roddenberry would be proud of what's been going on because Roddenberry always espoused the, the, the global universal uh, love thing. You know, we aren't individual countries. It's a planet because when you're going to other planets, you're not from America. You're from earth, you know? So it makes everybody from earth. And I think he'd be proud of what's been going on because I think uh, Putin, and I think Trump's behind some of this with him and in it, obviously he is because he keeps changing his tune every other day. So that tells me he's trying to play catch up and hide things, but I don't think they were ready for the global connectedness of the world and that people from all over would be putting out even the memes and the videos, or even if some of them are false, they're doing it to support the Ukraine to thwart Russia. Uh, and, and little things like, again, maybe this isn't true, but I, I heard of some people that were getting on Airbnb and reserving uh, Airbnb houses in the Ukraine for like a week being contributions. Yes. You know, so so these is a lot of these things and the companies that are pulling out of Russia, I, I, I guarantee a large part of it is because everybody's posting about it and it's giving them, it's putting them in the news in a good light with people right now. So, and, and they're, and they're, I don't think if, it was announced the way it is all over social media. I don't think as many companies would be pulling out of Russia. I think a lot of them would still be, okay, whatever. That's, uh, you know, it, I, I love quotes. And what one of my unfortunates is I hate when I have a good quote, but I can't always remember who to attribute it to. But there's a great quote that along the lines of um, evil people often have to be reminded that good people can be cunning too. You know what I mean? That evil thinks that they have somehow cornered the market on being tricky, on being, on, on winning through subterfuge. And uh, what Putin and his uh, cronies are finding out is that the world has moved beyond being a resource-dependent country on oil, that they've moved beyond, like they their um, cyber shenanigans, they haven't used that to become masters of the trade, they've learned the tricks of the trade. They haven't created intellectual property. They've learned to be the parasite that hangs on others' intellectual property and can abuse it. Well, they're going to find out that the rest of the world, with all of its intellectual property and the money that comes from that, and that they can gear up to be uh, making their things safe through uh, cybersecurity far beyond whatever dirty tricks they can do, they're going to find out that they're fighting the last war. 
that they're fighting a war of boots on the ground, that they're fighting a war of arms and uh, uh, that's a great book right there. The last war based mm-hmm. on, I think that would be a great book. Sorry. <laughs> but just, you know, I think people are calling it world war three or the start of world war three. And I think that we've really learned it doesn't have to be that way at all. No. That the economic sanctions we're putting on the cyber sanctions, the, the isolation that we can do to them in a hyper-connected world that they're already feeling it. They can't, they don't have any uh, t- clearance of their transactions. They don't have anywhere to sell their oil. They, you know what I mean? All the way- People aren't the- getting Starbucks. That'll lead a revolt in countries just by itself. I <laughs> See, mean- just that, cutting off the essentials of life. Like right. Starbucks, exactly. You know, all the cronies that support him that are having their yachts impounded, that th- you can't, you're not safe anywhere in the world with the way that the whole world is- under surveillance, aware of transactions, all that kind of stuff. You don't get to be totally evil over here and then go live on your island paradise because we've got satellites that let us know exactly where your island paradise is. Right. And that's at risk. And and when when a group like Anonymous <laughs> become heroes because they're intervening and getting involved in a way that the rest of the world is encouraging, that tells you how different things are. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it that's a great way to put it, That that people that are um, they really have a sense of being cyber citizens and that they're, if you will, they were merry pranksters, but sure, the things that they've learned about how to disrupt, it doesn't, it, they, I really uh, have much respect for the ethics, the morals of most of Anonymous, because what they've really learned to do is use their skills to disrupt people that were otherwise using it for control, otherwise yeah. using it for theft. And, and maybe that's in the past been certain countries, certain large corporations, um, bad actors on the internet. Well, what worse actor can you have now that these guys that are trying to use, you know, their, um, let's call it East European, uh, you know, far, bot farms to try to wreak havoc in the rest of the world. You know, a really good way to stop all that disinformation is to just shut down all their servers because they're not the best at this. Another right. thing that's wonderful is when you see the big gloating villain finally find out that there is somebody bigger and better. And we brought our heroes in and they're going to make sure that that things are not going to continue only on the basis of who's the most um, willing to do anything to get what they want. They're going to find out that the penalties they have to pay might be too much even for them. Yeah. And unfortunately, while they're figuring that out, where there's an incredible number of lives being lost. There's incredible destruction of property. There's, there's the uprooting of all the refugees. The fact that, that the world is working to make it better, like you said, through Airbnb and all kinds of things, it, that doesn't stop that this terrible thing has already happened of one country going to a war with another, a sovereign nation. Like you, you, hopefully then the UN is not only sending in doctors, sending in support troops and, and peacekeepers, if you will, that soon there's going to be international resolutions from NATO or various other things that are going to be the whole world is against you. Well, Whatever you thought was about you and the Ukraine, it's not that. It's that we are all Ukrainian for now. You know, we, we are not going to let these right. incursions continue. And, and I, I hope the, it doesn't take too long. Because the, it's, gonna, uh, it's totally changing the world. I mean, it. I, I said this from the 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 first weekend after things started happening that Putin's finding out it's not the same world it was 80 years ago in World War II. You can't just invade a country and shoot guns and and keep shooting and hope you shoot more. That's not winning this war. He you know from the 
reports I've seen, they're kind of stalled out. They're, they're not getting the support. They're not getting more guns. They're not getting ammo. They're not getting gas. You can't fight a war without the materials. And, right. and the world's changed so much. Look at what's happening. Switzerland wants to join NATO. I mean, how big is that, really? Honestly, I, I said exactly that same thing. Switzerland, a famously consistently neutral country, actually was willing to freeze Russian assets and say, that, that out of all the things we've, we've been willing to look away from, they're enough aware of the interconnectedness of the world that this was too far for them. Yeah. One of the interesting things, the ignorance of Russia, the arrogance of them, to use those terms that I keep using, is... They had this happen in, in, in Afghanistan against them about asymmetric warfare, about you can't bring enough troops in that where, there were, where the um, Afghani troops were um, integrated into the population. They had all manner of places to hide. They were not ever going to be two massive armies meeting on the field and bashing at each other. Right. It was always going to be the sabotage and the strikes and the sniping and the assassination. And Russia adopted some of those same things because they sure have done their share of assassination and individual strikes. But now every time you read about, wow, another Russian general has been killed because a lot of people are saying, we don't need to defeat 10,000 troops. We need to take out that that deck of cards that they had Hydra. at one point in the, in the, the Mideast. You take out the biggest leaders and everybody else is scared. Uh, everybody else, they don't have the good direction. They don't have those people that were well-trained in armed warfare right. on the ground. You can you can bring an army to a halt and in all the same ways you said, attack their supply lines, attack their, whatever they think they're fighting for. They, they're they going to, I don't know, burn crops, uproot train tracks, uh, destroy a pipeline, whatever they thought they were going to get out of this, they're finding out that they're, they're not going to win the prize they thought. No, I, and if it is, it may be too dear of a cost for what they get by the end and the thing with afghanistan back then uh the whole reason they didn't win that you know was because rambo was there i mean i saw that movie (laughs) (laughs) it's it's yes luckily (laughs) entertainment and uh the reality blur the lines exactly (laughs) well you know in some alternate reality that could have been what was happening uh you can't tell me it didn't happen (laughs) no it's it it uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes yes uh, by the way my uh my talk for the annual gathering for mensa well, i just got a news that it was accepted nice. i'm going to be talking about like um the wear of things in the comic book world and especially oh. you know with dr strange the multiverse of madness coming out and comic books have long had this thing of it isn't only one world of course it was at least marvel versus dc and various different comic book companies had their own universes but then each comic book company started to have well there's not just earth one there's earth two where the you know the, the golden age people live or there's other and other planets and other dimensions and a multiverse of other universes and so in an hour I'm going to try to talk about all that I'm going to try to talk about this amazing all the beautiful creativity that went into you know, anything you can think of happened, it's because it did happen in another dimension. That's why you're just tapping into the knowledge of this, this different right, thing right, happened, yep. alternity. Every time we make a choice, the universe splits. And now there's a new universe where I said yes or I said no. And I that's, that's such a cool science fiction com- concept. And yet we're kind of finding out maybe at that quantum level, maybe at that and- might i point out very big (laughs) might i point out how many times in you know take the science fiction from 50 
or more years ago, how much of that has really started to come true now? I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> right. we, we make those choices, but we also, like, I don't know, I'm just looking, one of the things about the talk is going to be, of course, none of this is real, but it is. You know what I mean? Right. The fact that, that we can even talk about this in our minds, we have a whole other universe that we could talk about. The Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew universe is just as real as ours if people keep adding to those stories and keep, right. so I, that's one of the things. That's you know, cool. Yeah, a classic thing in science fiction that they often give a, a good uh, attribute attribution is where they're good at world building. You know, when you read a fantasy series and it isn't just, hey, the ma three main heroes hit the villain and they went through the forest and all that kind of stuff. But the more that they flesh out that universe of here's the customs, here's the food, here's the religion, here's the animals, kind of like ours, but slightly different. Their horses have six legs, whatever else it might be. And, and I've always loved that. I've always loved where people had that ability to like say, well, yeah, it's totally unlike ours, that there it's silicon instead of carbon based, or it's much like ours, but the South won the war in the Civil War. There's all kinds of ways in which people have said kind of alternative histories or different ways of planets and stuff like that. And the people that have had the vision to do that, the comic book writers, the speculative mm -hmm. fiction, science fiction people, it's very cool that they can just create a whole nother universe and maintain relative consistency that it wasn't just flights of fantasy that once they said that so, well now that i've had that uh, uh nixon uh, was re-elected and stayed president you know like in uh idiocracy or whatever i'm trying you know i'm trying was that what it was was it reagan yeah. it doesn't it that they um the retconning that they've done to keep the continuity going actually it's very cool to say well carry that thought all the way forward if we really had um, computers early, like in, is it the Silver Age? Uh, the Diamond Age, right, from Neil Stevenson? How much that would have changed the world in all these ways. And if we would have had, it doesn't matter, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I was going to the examples, but just the cool <laughs> thought of, I love that people don't just throw it out there. And in fact, I hope you don't mind, I'm not going to hijack the discussion. We, I have been reading um, very cool books by Richard Cadry about Sandman Slim. Yes, I started reading the first one. Uh, so I really like them because he's really good at saying, so here's the world, and then here's how it really works with angels and devils and hell and purgatory and limbo and Tartarus and all that kind of stuff. Here's um, the fact that it ties in well, like here's L.A., but there's a hell version of L.A., and it's kind of funny that after a while, you can't really tell him apart with <laughs> a little bit of what he thinks of Los Angeles. Right. And, and it's not only him. I love people that one of the great things he does is he's great with naming things. You know what I mean? All of his characters have interesting names and the places that they go to and his terms for the various different levels of demon and, and devil and imp. And, uh, you know, are they what kinds of zombies are there? There's not just one kind of zombie. And the fact that he actually builds this whole world and it kind of hangs together. It makes more and more sense the more that he flashes it out. And in fact, I just read, I think the sixth book, and I always love this, where he actually didn't just sit down and write. He must have had a big board that he said, I have a bunch of things that I want to get to by the time the series is over. And I'm going to plant seeds in these early books so that there will be a payoff by about book six. And so that was just the case. You know what I mean? When he talks about, here's the room with 13 doors that allows him to teleport and he can go through shadows and stuff. And then you find out how much that figures into how this universe really works. 
and here's the gods versus devils and 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 the, the hell thing the christian mythology and then let's go beyond that what if there was lovecraftian stuff involved what if there you know what i mean like there's different pantheons and weirdnesses like that and he's very good at that kind of stuff and the the names of people the creatures that he creates um it really harkened me back to simon r green who i also wanted to mention today i just have i carry such a torch for this guy because he writes pulp fiction they're really entertaining as hell there's really battles and journeys and you know finding the treasure and stuff but all of his characters are he just he just throws out great new characters like a pinwheel just all splattering the world with all of these cool ideas and sometimes runs with it and sometimes you have to well he could have done much more oh it's book seven he does do more with that I love that people are that amazingly creative that they don't have one great idea and kind of hold it close to their chest and build on it. They have so many great ideas that you just feel like I've opened the door to Oz here. There's <laughs> unlimited possibilities. This is just so cool that he's going to, you know, each book is going to be a trip to a different city, a trip with a different. What, what's the title of his books? So boy, he has multiple series. He's very prolific. The first ones that I read were the Death Stalker books, which are a big space opera. And the coolness of them is it isn't just, um, hey, here's a hero from a line of heroes that is it is a space explorer. It's that he meets, um, there's things in the outer dark that maybe are coming into our solar system and we have to worry about them. There's an, an AI that went rogue and started to build things on another planet and they're kind of competing with humanity but willing to ally against the outer dark there's all different factions amongst humanity as to who's got money who's got technology who's got drugs and and um all of the vices are represented so that no matter how mighty you become if you can't keep it in your pants if you can't stop taking drugs the way that you can also when fall the mighty type stuff and so that whole series is excellent in how all those factions are continually competing and interacting and allying and breaking alliances and all that kind of stuff. They're just such a page turner. They're so freaking good. <laughs> then he wrote a series of books called about the night side where it's the unseen part of London. I think he's from like Wiltshire or something like that. So I think that's right outside London. I don't know my England geography well enough. Sorry, uh, overseas listeners. Um, and it's, uh, a guy who's able to find things and how much that is then useful to other people who either try to use him or abuse things. And he ends up just another one of the things I think I've mentioned before about series is I love it where it's not just any mythology. It's all the folklore is all wrapped in here. There really are vampires and werewolves and zombies, right, right. and there really are space adventurers and Jekyll and Hyde's and all that kind of stuff. And he has them all interact. And especially his character names are so well done, you know, somebody named dead boy which is like well is that like a punk band name uh, well you know what i mean he right. again there's so many good characters and not only from the night side he has the secret histories <laughs> where it's a, a secret agent that is kind of like a james bond knockoff but against supernatural things and all the books are named like um let's see uh takeoffs on the james bond books so it's casino infernal instead of casino royale and and stuff like that i think he actually tracked on like the first 12 books in the in the james bond series to give them that alternate name nice i, I just i if you're looking for a continual good read they're not at the level of heinlein and asimov where they're great science fiction 
or even like Tolkien where they're great fantasy, but he's just got this perfect niche of, of memorable characters and uh, great surprises. He's really good at setting you up to go one way and then finding out, oh no, there, that's what's going on there. They're really related and there's really family rivalry or there's love, but unrequited. Or I just, it's a great combination of scale where there's really big things happen, but sometimes big things turn on the tiniest slight, the tiniest interaction. Wow, they're really great. <laughs> I, I started reading the first Sandman Slim. Uh, okay. You know, I'm only partway through it, but the not the same style, but the feel of it uh, hits the same spots that a Jeff Strand book does for me. That okay. it's you're you're not like you said, you're not getting asimov where your brain has to think you're reading something that's fun almost like earlier saturday morning cartoon uh you right. know that same type of feeling except that they're a little bit more than saturday morning they're very vulgar they yeah really well have it's saturday night of... cartoons then <laughs> saturday p.m they're the kind of vulgarity that i love where it isn't just a series of swear words he's he's very creative about you know it's not it's it's uh yeah. i don't know it's not just a cock. It's it's a uh, uh, that's drier than a Bedouin's cock or something like that. Right, right, like, right. Why? Where would it, whose mind would come up with the exemplifiers of that level? Of, oh well, I just he's <laughs> it's and and one of the great things about his hero is that he's um, dissolute. He'll say anything to anyone. He really isn't sure that he's doing the right thing except he does have core values that come out over. He won't betray a friend. He won't, you know what I mean? He, that, that he is a classic rogue that has his own sense of ethics, but you know what? Those ethics stand up compared to other people that profess to being moral and ethical. And you find out that they kind of have feet of clay or that they're just lying about what they believe to get their way or whatever else it might be. So I'm glad, I, I hope you like them. Yeah. I just, I'm not reading them all in a row because I really want to not, uh, overdo what i call the pratchett factor if right. you read too many Discworld books and you keep on pushing that particular humor button they're not as funny because you don't get a chance to let your brain rest and read something else and then come back to admiring how witty he is yes and and so you know then just all... i'm sprinkling these in amongst i'm reading puzzles and paradoxes about like you know recreational mathematics oh al you you <laughs> you party timer you but you know what i mean you kind of have to take your brain into different places so that yeah it can absolutely it cleanser new and fun again so yeah. so you mentioned talking at the ag uh which i don't know if i'm gonna be there but congrats good on that uh just fyi for you i'm giving my talk at the uh, may monthly meeting for cam so I, i'm glad that you and britta were able to get together that's fantastic yeah yep. so I, I, I don't, I haven't gone to every one of them because sometimes the topics have not been of interest to me, but this yours sure is. And so I will definitely be there That's for, cool. and it's like last Wednesday in May, correct? And yes. Still, May 25th. Are we still zooming or is there? Any That's what she said. Yes. Okay. okay. So, so are you going to be in Dayton this weekend? Are you going to be? Yes. Dayton? Going to be in Dayton, oh, see my cousin and okay. giving my talks and all that. So very good. Colleen and I will be there Saturday during the day. We really couldn't do the entire weekend because we have other things going on with my parents in California and a show that we're going to. But if your show is, I'm sure your show, your talk is during the day, Saturday, I'll also be able to see that maybe. So the, the, the supercharge is Saturday afternoon. So fantastic. I, I will definitely be there. Not, and not to cat call. <laughs> well, you could do that too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that'd be great. Then any feedback, because each time I do it, 
I adjust and change and fix and improve. And so, you know, you know, the feedback is important. If, if you're re reading the room wrong and you change something because one vocal guy uh, was talking about one thing, you, you right. know, it may change it too much. Yeah. yeah. So it's I still have never my... the same talk twice. I have right. improved <laughs> upon and added to, and especially if you're talking about something that the world changes, you know, when I talk about comic book movies and a new one comes out, well, I kind of want to, include that and talk about how that fits into the, right. the pantheon of what's going on. Okay. So, so I got two recommendations before we sign off okay. for you. Uh, so the first one is a movie recommendation. If you have not watched it, sit down, grab Colleen, get the popcorn and watch it. That's the Adam project on Netflix. I, I, I started to watch it. And then I said, I think Colleen will enjoy this. And so I am going to do that for the two of us. Thank you yes. very much. Ryan very Reynolds, I think right. Ryan Reynolds and, like his son, uh, like, you know, he goes back and time travels and, and as himself, yeah, he goes back and meets himself. There you go. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a great fun <laughs> movie. Uh, okay. it's, it, it hits all the right spots. It's got action and Ryan Ron Reynolds comedy, uh, you know, so it's, it's a fun action movie. Uh, like Very we were talking about, it's not going to give you some higher level of thinking, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's a great fun movie. The other recommendation is upcoming in May, the new Def Leppard album, Diamond yes, Star yes. Halo. <laughs> I am I have been listening to the first song, the first single called Kick. Okay. If you like old rock and roll like T-Rex or Mott the Hoople or Old Bowie, if you like that stuff, they said this whole album is influenced all the way. The very first Diamond Star Halo is a line from that exactly. T Rex, yeah, T -Rex Bang the Gong, oh, right? Yes, yep. exactly. Okay. And the first song, Kick, I, I mean, I can hear the influences in it. I'm like, there's a riff that would be on T Rex, there's the vocals that would be on Mata Hoople background, you know, that type yes, of thing. Yes. You can hear it. So if you enjoy that type of music, this is going to be an album. I mean, if you're like, well, I'm not a big Def Leppard fan. This is 60s music, rock okay. and roll. I, I am a big Def Leppard fan. And the fact that they, like you said, can, can take in those influences and do their own spin on it. I'm really looking forward to doing that. Yeah. Deep Purple just did a, a similar thing. I think it's called like Scenes from a Crime or something like that, where they, yeah, I don't think they did covers. I think they did songs in the spirit of, if you will, but mm -hmm. they went back to their influences and said, let's do a great blues number. Let's do a great, you know, uh, yes. Patriot. like who was around when they started off? It was uh, uh, Uriah Heep. It was, you know what I mean? Like right. I'm, I, I'm looking forward to investigating as these guys put out new material, what they're still doing. That's right. really cool because they're great and, musicians. And yeah. this one, it's interesting because about 10 years ago, they came out with an album called Yeah. And it was uh, covers from the same era of music that inspired them when they were growing up. Uh, okay. a, a good album, some good covers. This is like almost the sequel to that album because it's originals in the same style. You know, uh, so sounds great. Yeah, okay. Good stuff. I can't wait. I will recommend a Ted Lasso, by the way. Colleen and I have been watching that, and we have to stop ourselves from watching too many episodes because we don't want it to be over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't even know that. It's, it's on Apple TV. One of the joys of getting a new phone is you get three months of Apple TV free. And we've talked about this. I used to not necessarily get every single service because I, I can't, I don't watch that much TV, right. though I can't say that fully anymore. But I, especially <laughs> I didn't want to be like, oh, no, I've lost track. And now I paid for a year's worth where what I really wanted to do was watch the Olympics. So I did successfully turn off Paramount. And now I'm going to 
whatever's out on Apple TV, I'm going to fit in three months worth. And then we'll see based on how much new stuff they're putting out or acquiring, do I want to continue it or not? But the Ted Lasso series, it's Jason Sudeikis from SNL playing a, a like a, an incredibly optimistic character in the face of um, the sports world, where it sure is easy to get your face bashed in if you're too Pollyanna. And, and it's a great, like a wonderful ensemble cast. Um, it's a fish out of water story where he's a football coach here in the United States that's brought over to England to manage a football team. But as you know, football there means soccer. Okay. And so how much do, does his skills at football matter? Maybe his skills as a coach at working with people matter. And all kinds of great laughs, great like, oh, what's going on there? It's really a good series. It won all kinds of awards. Yeah. And that's Colleen and I are using that often as a an indicator of like, you know, we've, we haven't watched all of what's been going on, but if this winning like 10 Emmys, let's watch Shit's Creek and stuff right. like that. You right. know, so um, I really like that one. I recommend that one. If, if you want to, if you want to not sleep at all and watch more TV, there's a good series to throw in onto your watch list. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I've been trying to catch up. Like I said, I've been watching The Rookie, catching up on four seasons of that. <laughs> exactly. And we, I know we're going to go. We can't leave without going. Hey, Fan Expo just announced Cleveland, end of April, early May, right? April 30th through May 2nd. And I've spoken at Fan Expo when it was Wizard World before. So I'm hoping that they have somewhere an old brochure that can say, hey, this Al guy did okay. Right. <laughs> and so if we get to do perhaps a live Relentless Geekery podcast there, because I know they've had live podcasts from other people. And, you know, I went to it. It wasn't as good as what we would do, Stephen. We would do a fucking bang up job of saying, "Here's what you want to see out on the show floor," and yes! here's how great yeah, they that are. would be awesome. You know what I mean? Just to be able to talk about what cool things are going on there and give our little our little love sonnets to the various different people that we want to say, "Don't miss this guy's booth. He's one of the what? best guys working. You got to go buy his work. Throw some money at him. Keep him working so we can say hello to Ted Segura. We can say, you know what I mean? Love and rock. Love and Cage will get." You know, wonderful yeah. love and stuff like and that. We, we, we could do like a supermarket sweep uh, game show where we, we each get 20 minutes on the floor. We find the <laughs> coolest items and then, you know, talk about what we found and all that. If I find another crochet Viking hat, I will be happy, you see. So. Right, right. Imagine. <laughs> so. Exactly. Okay. All right, man. All right. Always a pleasure. Good we times. See you in a week. All okay. right. See you. Bye. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.